Hi, here is the Advent reading. It's from John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light. So that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light. But he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into this world. He was in the world. And the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own. And his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name. He gave power to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son. Full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Amazing. Well, hello everybody. My name is Dan um, and I'm an ordinand here at ENC. If you've been here any time since September, you've probably seen me out in the foyer with a visor on and a lanyard on badgering you about what household group you're in and working out if you can sit together. Um, first, I wanted to say thank you for following the rules. You make this job really easy. <laughs> um, but secondly, I want to say it's really good to be in the room for a change. Um, it's actually warm enough for me to take off my coat for the first time since September. So it is a real blessing for me to be in here. The hoops I've got to jump through to get inside the room. <laughs> well, firstly, well done, all of you, for getting here. Christmas is only five sleeps away. And we've lit the final candle of the Advent wreath. Um, and now we're looking forward to what, to some, might be the very disappointing chaos of repealing of rules at quite a last minute. I know for some of you, you're facing the possibility of a Christmas alone. Um, and if not alone, you're facing the possibility of a Christmas without loved ones of, um, of some kind. And, and, that, and that's harsh, that's horrible. Um, but the thing is, Christmas is always chaos. Christmas is chaos no matter what's going on. Admittedly, it's worse this year. But Christmas is always a bit of chaos. There's always a lot to do, people to see, a lot of presents to buy. 
Um, but for us Christians, Christmas is actually a bit more significant than the chaos and the family and the presence because we're remembering the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, over the last month or two, we have been going through the identity of God as shown to us through Jesus. We've had God the lamb, God the bread, God the wine, and then at the end of November, Joe talked to us about God the word. And since then, we've been working our way through John 1. And that brings us to where we are tonight, John 1 and verse 14, which reads like this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I just want to take you back, all the way back to November 29th. Now, that's not that long ago, but so much has happened since then with different lockdowns, different things. Church was going on via, only going on via your phones, your tablets, your TVs. Um, so it's good to be here. For those of us who are here, for those who are watching at home still, welcome. Um, but a lot has happened since then. And back on the 29th of November, Joe talked to us about those first few verses in John chapter 1. And verse 1 reads like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now for us to look at verse 14 like we will tonight, we kind of need to look at verse 1 a little bit. And you know what, verse 1 is quite a confusing verse. On the face of it, if you don't know anything about it, well firstly, what on earth is the word? What word was it? Will you find it in a dictionary? What do they mean by the word? Well, we've actually had it explained in one of the songs, (laughs) which was cool. But also Joe um, explained it to us and said that the word is Jesus. And this is really vital information for when we come to look at verse 14, which says, and the word became flesh. Because when we know that the word is Jesus, we can paraphrase verse 14 to say, and Jesus became flesh. And we can take flesh and we can change that to, and Jesus became a man. Now, when we know that the word is Jesus, we can go back to look at verse one again, and we can paraphrase that one like this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. So verse one tells us that Jesus is God. Now with that knowledge, we can come back to verse 14, and we can read it like this. And Jesus, who is God, became a human being and dwelt among us. God became a human being being and lived a human life on this earth. Well, when we talk about God, if you've got an imaginative, visual imaginative mind like mine, you might be thinking about an old guy with a white beard, sat on a cloud, probably holding a lamb or a dove or something. Um, And you know what? If that's you, if that's what you see, then you're not going to be the only people who see it that way, because that's how artists have depicted Jesus for hundreds, if not over a thousand years. But there's a problem with that. Although there's a lot of really good imagery there, the problem is that that depicts God as being detached, distant, far away, completely separate from us, occasionally answering a prayer or two. But the thing is, that's not the God as mentioned in John 1, because John 1 tells us that God became a human being and lived a human life. There's nothing distant about a God living a human life. Well, the thing is, that God, that 
not distant God, walked on this earth. He talked with people. He ate food. He drank wine. He got tired. He got angry. He loved. He felt pain. And he cried. Jesus is God, and Jesus lived a human life. Now, there are two constants in every human's life. And those constants are to be born and rather bleakly to die. Every human has to go through that, unless your name is Enoch or Elijah, but that's a far more complicated subject we're not going to go into tonight, and I'll leave that to Carl to do with you in the future. But everybody in the recorded history that we have in any form was born. And that is quite staggering when you realize that our God, the highest of the high, was born. And not only was he born, but we know that he was born in a really low position. You know, tradition tells us that he was born in a stable. There's now some historical evidence that it probably wasn't. It was more like a room below a building. But either way, he was born around the animals. Majesty was born in quite literally the muck. God, the highest of the highs, was born the lowest of the low. Let me tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story about childbirth. Now, Vicky's over there, who's my wife, and I'm not going to tell you the story about our children being born because well, she might murder me, and rightly so. Um, so my story about childbirth comes from a much darker time, a time deep in the annals of history. Well, it was Christmas 2004. Well, almost Christmas. It was the second to last day of term. I was in year 10, and as a year 10 student, I had thoroughly enjoyed a week of very low effort teaching. Our English class, we'd watched Mice of Men for the second time. At least that was on the curriculum, so that was a good effort. Um, In maths, we had some Sudokus. I think he did a countdown conundrum with us at one point and just let us chat. That was great. Drama, we just did an hour of Wink Murder and Mafia, which was just amazing. Um, I, I long for the days that I can do that again. But then the last lesson of the day on that Thursday was biology. Now, we walked in to the biology lab, and as I walked into the lab, the teacher wheeled in the big TV. Now, if any of you spent any time in a school in the 80s, 90s, or the early 2000s, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of the kids here haven't got a clue what I'm talking about here. But this TV was a massive, I think they were called CRT TVs, massive boxes, this big black thing. Ours was ratchet strapped onto the trolley. Now, that probably tells you a lot about how sort of top-heavy the TV was, but also a lot about how dodgy the kids were in our school. Um, and then the teacher pulls out this cassette with Tipex writing on it, and it says, the ultimate contraceptive. Now, some nervous laughter going on there, and I tell you what, it's nervous, because the teacher put on this video of childbirth, and I mean graphic biological, anatomical childbirth. There was screaming, there was blood, there was some other stuff I'm not going to go into because, well, this is sort of a family service. Um, And you know what? That video showed me one thing or one thing alone. That childbirth is not pretty. Childbirth is really, really undignified. Now, I'm going to put a caveat in here. It's a miracle watching your own children being born, and you don't think about any of those things. Someone's snoring over there. Um, you, don't, you tend to not think about those things so much. But in that video, I was left with scars. 
Two of the girls from the front row were ill. They had to leave. And the teacher had this grin on his face the whole time. <laughs> Tells you a lot about the school I went to. Um, but the, th- the reason I told you that story, you know, you know, probably to give you a bit of a laugh, but actually was more because childbirth is a hugely undignified process. It's, it's amazing, but it's hugely undignified for nearly everybody involved. And the thing is, God went through that process of being born in a very in a worse position than a hospital room. God, the highest of the highs, was born in the lowest of the lows. Now, I mentioned earlier about the two human constants, and the reason why Jesus became a human is because of this second constant. Jesus actually went on to die. Um, he died quite a horrible death on a cross. Um, but because he was human, he had to become human to die, but because he was also very much still God, after he was laid in the tomb, he rose again. And that's why we celebrate Easter. We've worked on why we celebrate Christmas, the child was born. Easter is because we need to remember that he died and was resurrected. And the significance of that for us as Christians is that he did that to pay the price for our forgiveness that we could never pay on our own. So we know that Jesus was born, and we know that Jesus died. And back to verse 14, there's a lot more to the verse than those first few words, the word became flesh. In fact, there's an awful lot more. Probably too much to delve into in the 15 minutes I've been given. But I want to focus on the next four words. They're the main ones. If you you take anything away from what I've said, don't be the terrible story about school. Be this line, the word became, so word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Now those four words, four words resonate so deeply with me. Now I mentioned at the start of this talk, I'm an ordinand, which means I get to do some time working for the church as well as some time studying theology. I've learned, it's just on my first term, so don't ask me anything too complicated. Um, but we've done a lot of really interesting things. But one of the modules I've had to do has been New Testament Greek. I'd like to caveat with beginner's New Testament Greek. And I want to be honest with you, I'm terrible at Greek. <laughs> it's not sinking in. I've got the, I've got the alpha, alpha of my wall. I'm going through all these phrase books, trying to remember just enough before my exams. But the, I've done a little translation of this verse. And then I got it checked by somebody who has a PhD in New Testament translation to make sure I wasn't wrong. I wasn't, thankfully. <laughs> so that's, that's an advert if you want to learn Greek. And the word I want to, I want to explain to you is for those four words and dwelt among us. The Greek word used here is eskenosin. It looks nothing like it sounds. Eskenosin literally means pitched his tent. Now at the time, that word was used by other writers outside of the Bible to actually be a bit deeper than just pitched his tent. There was a second meaning and that meaning was to settle down, to live in that place. So Let's go back to verse 14 again. We'll paraphrase it again with what we've learned so far. And it is, Jesus, who is God, became a human being and settled down to live a human life on this earth. So to settle down means to stay somewhere, to put down roots. Now, if any of you have heard me talk for more than about 30 seconds, 
you will have heard me tell you that I'm Welsh because I'm Welsh and proud and it will always be with me. No matter how long I live here in England, I will be Welsh. And, and I'm quite happy to tell people that. Well, I grew up in Wales. I studied in Wales. And Vicky, my wife, who's Exeter born and bred and probably ENC since, I guess, the first, since day one, maybe. I don't know. She's been here for ages. Um, it, you know, she came to Wales to study. And when she came to Wales to study, she met me and fell in love. <laughs> um, we got married, we got jobs, we settled down. We made a life for ourselves, we had friends, we had a future there. And then probably three and a half, getting, getting on four years ago, I was made redundant. Um, and after that, our life changed dramatically. And we came down here, um, and since then, we've put down roots again. We both got jobs, we had our kids here, we have family here, we have a wonderful church here, we have friends here. We can see our futures being here. But the thing is, that's what Jesus did. When he came down from, you know, when he was born as a human being and he grew up, he put down those roots. Jesus got a job. Jesus was a carpenter. He had friends. He had a family, including a mother and at least some brothers. And he experienced a lot of the things that we experienced. Now, as human beings, we are a complicated bunch of people. But one thing, another human constant that's not in my, <laughs> my list of constants, is that all humans face struggles. Wherever, any, wherever there are human beings, there is struggle. Now, that could be physical, mental, emotional. It could be all those things. You know, we could be sat here right now, quite literally struggling at the news that came out uh, yesterday, or whatever it was. You know, we have all these struggles. But why I love those four verses about God becoming human and living a human life is that because it means that Jesus, who is God, experienced the daily grind. And some of you, when I say daily grind, are like, mm, that grind's getting me down. <laughs> the thing is, getting up in the morning, going to work, having all those responsibilities. Jesus experienced that. God experienced that. You know, as I said, Jesus had a job. He had commitments. He had friends. He had family. We know that he experienced the pain of loss. Because if you're familiar with the story of Jesus raising Lazarus, then you'll know that when Jesus heard that his friend, Lazarus, died, he wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus felt the pain of loss. Not only that, but Jesus actually knew temptation. Now, let's go to Matthew 4. I'm going to read two verses of Jesus in the wilderness. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, very first, I just want to make a point here that when Jesus was hungry, admittedly, this was after 40 days and 40 nights. It's about 40 minutes before I get hungry. But the thing is, Jesus was weak. He'd gone into the desert, 40 days and 40 nights without food. It's, it's kind of at the point where your body starts to really panic. <laughs> and Jesus was there in this position. And in that weakness, the devil came to him and tempted him three times. 
Now, I can tell you that I've probably experienced temptation three times today, and I'm not malnourished after not eating for 40 days. Jesus experienced that temptation. But beyond that, Jesus knew stress and anxiety. Let's look at the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus was betrayed. He's crying out to God. He's sweating so much that they describe it as great drops of blood. That is a huge level of stress. So Jesus, who is God, knows pain. He knows suffering. He knows the daily grind. He knows stress. Jesus, who is God, lived a very human life. Your kind of life and my kind of life. Now, he did all of that, like I said earlier, so that he could eventually go on to die on the cross, so that we could have that relationship with him. Now, I just want to finish, or we'll wrap up, rather, um, by reading Hebrews, three verses from Hebrews 4, and that is 14 to 16, and they read like this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect was tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. That's our God. Our God has experienced the tests, the trials, and the struggles that we experience. He became a human being, lived a full human life, so that we could have a relationship with him. I wonder if you just stand with me for a minute, if you're able. Because I have a sense that God wants to just remind us again <laughs> of that. So if you're able, if you could just stand. Um, and I, I'm very mindful of the, you know, the, the impact of what the announcement about Christmas has had. Um, so for some of you, at the moment, you feel shocked, hurt, scared, and alone. And the concept of facing that time alone is breaking you down. That daily grind is more like you know, 10 times the pressure of normal. And if that's you, I encourage you to put your hand on your heart. But actually, everybody will be infected by this in some way. There'll be some of us who won't be able to see our... I'm not going to be able to see my parents who I haven't seen since Christmas last year. Like, the reality of that is for everybody. We are all detached from our friends and our family and our loved ones. So actually, let's all put our hands on our heart right now because I, I really think we should be just praying into this right now. I'm just going to pray, Lord God, thank you that you seek to draw near us and that you know our struggles. You know our pain. You know our grind. And our Father, I just ask that you would just draw near so all of us gathered here and those at home who may be facing the first Christmas in a very long time alone or may be facing a time where they can't see that dear loved one that they've been waiting to see. Lord, I just pray that you would meet them in that right now, that you would bring your comfort onto all of us. Amen. I'm just also going to, I had a sense uh, when I was prepping for this this week, that there are some people who, when I explained a God who knew our pain and suffering, you were like, this isn't a God I know. 
That God that I know is the guy off on the cloud somewhere. Or maybe I don't even know a God at all. So if that's you and you want to know this God who knows you so well, then I'd invite you now just to pray this prayer with me. It'll be a simple prayer. Um, you can pray it in your head. You, if you're here, you can pray it out loud if you're at home. And we're just going to pray, Father God, thank you that you draw near to us. Thank you, God, that you came to earth as a human to die a human death so that we can be forgiven. God, I'd ask you now to come into my life because I give it to you. I want to live a life for you. Amen.